If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn, turn with me to Psalm 116. Psalm 116. If you want to use this Bible in front of you, we're going to be on page 510, 510. I want to start by thanking Chris Spivey for uh, covering for us and for me this last week. Thursday of the previous week, I uh, went home, wasn't feeling good, thought I'd be fine on Friday. I wasn't. I missed the fireworks show. I was bummed about that. I thought I'd be better on Saturday, and I wasn't. So Saturday afternoon, I called Chris and said, uh, hey, buddy, <laughs> um, can you uh, maybe uh, preach on Sunday? I don't think I can make it. And he said he could, and and so uh, he stayed up late on Saturday night, got here so early Sunday morning, and uh, then did a great job. And I just want to say thanks. And so thank you, Chris. Appreciate you, buddy. <clears throat> I wanted to ask our newly uh, hired associate pastor to preach. And that might be news to you, some of you newly hired associate pastor. We announced two weeks ago that we had offered a position and he had accepted. I'll tell you more about him in a second. I wanted to invite him to preach, but he's not here yet, so I couldn't do that. And so Chris certainly uh, helped out. But uh, two weeks ago, we announced, and I'll do it again in case you missed it, that we offered a job to a man named Cyrus Retman. And Cyrus and his wife Kim and their family, they are having a goodbye service today up at their church in Kaiser. We sent a few of our people up there to say uh, thank you on behalf of us for getting to take Cyrus and Kim for the next season of life. But they should be here next week. You can introduce yourself to them then, and then he will start August 1st. And so I'm looking forward to that. And uh, we'll have another guy on staff that I can call on if I get sick. Though I was a little nervous this morning. I got here, and usually Chris gets here before I do, but I happened to get here first, and I was waiting and waiting, and Chris wasn't here, and I thought, oh, that guy's going to call me later this morning and say, Scott, could you lead worship? And so, uh, man, I'm glad when he showed up. I was like, phew, nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. So anyway... Well, today we're going to continue in this idea of summer solstice, understanding our inner person and considering our need for healing. We have this inner person, this soul that God has made, and it constantly needs healing from God. It constantly gets wounded by ourselves or by others, but we have this inner person, this soul that God wants to bring healing to over and over. I mean, we know this about our outward self. We read it in the Bible that outwardly we are wasting away. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. All right. Outwardly we are wasting away, but inwardly we are being renewed day by day. That's this inner person, our soul, and it needs healing as well. And so we will continue to look at that today. Our key passage for this has been found in Psalm 23. Let me put this up here on the screen for you. And then I'm going to ask that you would enthusiastically read it with me. Ready? Begin. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. This is what David said as he considered how God is this good shepherd to him. He said, God is the one who restores, who puts back together my inner person. And this is what I want us to be thinking through 
uh, throughout this summer is that God is this one that brings healing to our inner person. And so today and for the next few weeks, I want to bring up some of the enemies of the soul. Some of the things that would actually cause hurt to our inner person so that we can understand that and then say, you know what, I need to turn to God for that. He is the one to restore and bring healing to my soul. One of the soul's enemies that we're going to look at today is the enemy of pressure. Would you write this down, please? The enemy of pressure. There are so many ways that we are bombarded in our life with pressure. Sometimes it's deadlines. You might be sitting here this morning thinking of things that you have to do this next week. I have to do this before I go on vacation. I have to do this to please the boss. I have to do this before my house falls apart. You start thinking of your schedule. You start thinking of demands. You're thinking, oh man, and all of this pressure starts weighing on your soul. Some of you felt pressure this last week when you went down the road to Winco for the first time as it opened up. And you felt great amount of pressure, like this is not the Winco I'm used to, or I'm not used to this many people. And you started facing a pressure, and this pressure can be an enemy to our soul. Even our new associate pastor started facing some pressure even before he has started. One of the things and one of the ways you can pray for Cyrus and Kim is that they are looking for a home in Albany. Now you know about the market here. It's difficult to find a home. That is pressure that they are facing. Can we find the right home? Is it going to fit in our schedule and in our, t- in our uh, price range and things like that? Great pressure he's facing. But he also faced some pressure this week that I didn't mean to put on him, and, and I didn't, but somebody in our staff took a picture of me and put it on Cyrus's uh, bulletin board in his office. This, I imagine, caused great pressure for him. He walks into his office with a bunch of books, and he sits there and says, Oh, man, there's a picture of Scott. What do I do with this? I mean, did he put it there? Is it okay to take this down? Is this kind of like an inner office mandate that you have to have a picture of Scott? I imagine he walked over to Chris's office and looked and said, yeah, he's got one too. (laughs) Went over to Dylan's, he's got one too. And just this internal pressure he's facing, like, can I take this down? Can I cover it up? Can I throw darts at it? I mean, he doesn't, it's just pressure. And that pressure is just no fun when we have this and we're just like, how do I deal with this? Poor guy's probably been losing sleep over that, just How do I get this ugly mug off my wall and do this without there being hurt feelings? Well, I want you to write this down, that my soul and your soul can become uptight and worn down, and ultimately then my soul is in need of rest. My soul can get uptight with situations in life. My soul can get worn down, and ultimately it is in need of rest. So where do we go for that rest? We all have that. If, if we just would sit down and talk with each other and say, where is your soul uptight right now? And you're saying, oh, here's my problems. Where are you worn down? I'm worn down from this and this and this. And you would acknowledge, you know what? My soul, my inner person needs some rest. And I want to show you today that that rest comes from God alone. This is why we sing some of these songs. I need more of vacation, God. No, I I need more of you, God. 
Because God is alone is the one who gives this rest. Now you understand this, when your body needs rest, you worked a hard day up at Fairmont School yesterday or whatever that is, you've worked a hard day and you say, my physical body needs rest, and you, you go take a nap. All right, you go get some rest, you lounge around. Or maybe it's your mind that needs rest. You've just been stressing out about these things and you say, you know what, I need to read a good book or I need to just watch a TV show or a a movie. I need to rest. But rest for the soul, how, how does that happen? How do we gauge that? This is... Our, our bodies need rest. Our minds need rest. And this is why vacations are good. This is why we'd say go on a vacation. Go up to the mountains. Go over to the coast. Go to Disneyland, wherever it is. Go to, and get away. Unplug from life for a while because your body needs some rest. But how do we find this rest for our soul? How do we find rest for this inner person? I'll say this, that this rest that I'm talking about here is not something that a vacation can fulfill. It's not something like you go to Disneyland or the beach and you come back and say, you may have been rested, you may have had some fun, but your inner person hasn't had rest. I want to talk about a rest that sleep can't cure. I want to talk about a rest that hobbies can't cure. Medicine can't cure this rest. Earthly pleasures can't cause this rest. This inner soul rest, this soul rest, frankly, it's difficult to understand it. I've had people ask me recently now, how's your soul? And I'm like, it's hard to tell. I mean, my physical body, I can tell you. But my soul, I think it's good. It's hard to tell, and it's hard to tell where that rest comes from. Fortunately, we have the Word of God to give us some of this. And I want to look at a couple passages today. We're going to start with Psalm 116, and, and the reason I'm going to have you look at three passages is I didn't get to preach last week, and I want to share some of what I was going to share last week with you. But we're going to start at Psalm 116 and see how the Word of God tells us that we can get rest. Because when you're hungry and your physical body needs something, you eat. And, and when you're tired, you can count how much sleep you got. But the soul is hard to figure out. Has it been resting Has it been resting with God? Start at Psalm 116, page 510. Let me read some of these verses to you. And these passages, I'm going to ask that you read them this week. Okay, That you read them on your own later. But let me read a few verses from Psalm 116. It says this, I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. Because he inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. Now listen to the pressure that the psalmist talks about. The snares of death encompassed me. That's pressure. The pangs of Sheol laid hold of me. Some of your Bibles might say, the anguish of the grave lay hold of me. That's pressure. I suffered distress and anguish. That's pressure. He says, then I called on the name of the Lord. Oh, Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. Deliver my life. Deliver this inner person that can't be measured with outward appearances. Verse 5, he says, gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. 
Now, verse 7, I'd like you to underline this if you haven't already in your Bible. Return, O my soul, to your rest, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. I learned it first in a different translation that says, Be at rest once more, O my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. Maybe that's what your Bible says. He says this, For you delivered my soul from death. You delivered my eyes from tears. You delivered my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed even when I spoke, I am greatly afflicted. I said in my alarm, all mankind are liars. Go back to verse 7 if you would. He says, return, O my soul, to your rest. He's preaching, in essence, the gospel to himself. Return, O my soul, to your rest, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. See, in this psalm, the the psalmist is talking about his high-pressured life. You've got a high-pressured life. You're dealing with this or this. And he's saying, return, O my inner person, to your rest. This inner person that feels much pressure says, return to your rest. Let's write it down this way, if you would. My distressed soul finds rest in returning to God. One of the ways that your soul will find rest is returning to God. The psalmist says this, return, O my soul, to your rest, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. Return from the pressure of anxiety to God. Return from the pressure of feeling uptight, go to God with that one. Return from the pressure of being worn down, go to God with that one. Returning over and over and over again to God. This morning, you will have the opportunity, okay, I'm going to return to God. We've been singing this. We've been thinking, okay, I'm returning to God. Maybe by the end of the day, you're like, I need to keep returning, though, because all of a sudden, my soul gets uptight and it gets worn down. There's this returning that goes on and on and on, and I have to keep coming back to the Lord. I like this word, return, in this psalm. Return, it's an action word. It's really the same word in Psalm 23, to be restored, When David says, the Lord restores my soul, he says, the Lord returns my soul back to the place where it should be. When the psalmist is writing here, he says, return or be restored again, O my soul. Be restored. And find this in the Lord because he's the one that does this. Get back to a place of rest. The God who is the source of rest. Return to him. Now, as we look at this passage, it also gives us a why in this passage. Why would I do this? Why would I return, O my soul, to this rest? Notice what it says. It says, for he is good. Write this down if you would. We return to him because he is good. The idea is that you and I should be considering the goodness of God in our life. And let our soul return to him. He has been good. I'm sending a text to my son who lives out of state. And I was saying, enjoy life. Enjoy the good things that God has created. But consider the goodness of God. Don't forget this. This isn't just fun to enjoy. Yeah, enjoy that. But consider that every good and perfect gift comes from him. Consider the goodness of God. This is part of our soul returning Now, let's be honest. It's hard to see the goodness of God in the middle of a storm, right? 
I mean, if you're here today and you're saying, okay, I just have this massive storm, this massive trouble in front of me, it's hard to see the goodness of God. All you can see is the problem. Though if you get up from uh, the problem and you go up 20,000 feet, all of a sudden you can say, okay, there's my problem. It's huge. But, oh, wait a second. I can see the goodness of God when I get away from this a little bit. I was reminded of this this week when I, we had a family over at our house and they had a little toddler And we were getting ready to eat some s'mores and some goodies and things like this. And this little three-year-old wants a goodie. And so she makes that request known, I want a goodie. And before long, some of her family just leaves her. And she starts freaking out. She's crying. I want a goodie. I want a goodie. And I all of a sudden grab her and I'm like, get over here. Get over here. I go, what's your problem? She's like, I want a goodie. Nobody's getting me a goodie. I want a goodie. And I just, I said, calm down for a second. She stopped crying. I said, wait a second. Does your family love you? Yes. Do, you, do they usually take good care of you? Yes. Do you think that they might be taking good care of you now? Yes, but I want a goodie. I'm like, just stop crying. Chill out for a minute. Because as you're complaining and whining and crying about this, in the meantime, they're getting this for you. Oh. Uh, I have barely finished saying that, and here comes big sister with a tray of s'mores for, for her. And I thought, you and I, we kind of do the same thing. We sit there and just like, oh, I want this, I want this, I want this. And if we just back up for a minute, God's whispering says, haven't I been good to you? Haven't I cared for you? Yeah. Then just be quiet and stop crying for a minute. And I want you to know that goodness is coming. Goodness is coming. You might be here and you're going, all I can see is that trouble and that storm in front of me. Then I would say, just turn around for a second and look to the cross of Jesus. If you have forgotten how God has been good to you, just consider the cross of Jesus. That your sins were paid for by the sinless Son of God. Why? Because he has been good to you. You're like, but what about this problem? Listen, I understand you have that problem. And I understand this is what you want. But he has been good to you. And the psalmist says, return, O my soul, to your rest. For the Lord has been bountifully good to you. He has. And so my distressed soul, it finds rest in returning to God. For he is good. Don't lose sight of that. Go to Psalm 42, if you would. I want to show you another way that we can find rest for our soul. Just go back a few pages to 469. We're going to see that there's pressure again. Psalm 42. In fact, when you face pressure while you're turning there, while you face pressure, sometimes just write it out. Some of these psalms are just that. They're journaling. Certainly they are inspired by God and helpful for us. But this is journaling to God. Let me read to you from Psalm 42 and you can hear some of the pressure. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Now watch this. My tears have been my food 
day and night. While they say to me all the day long, where is your God? There is oppression that the psalmist is feeling. He says, to the point that I am crying constantly. This actually is my food. This is all I have because of this great pressure. Goes on to say in verse 4, these things I remember. There were some good days as I pour out my soul. Oh, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise. A multitude keeping festival. I remember some good old days. They're not happening right now, but I remember some good old days. Whew, I wish we could go back to those good old days. But they're not here right now. And he starts by saying, journaling, my th- soul is thirsty. I'd like you to write this down. Let's consider this for a moment. My thirsty soul finds rest in the refreshment of God. That your thirsty soul finds rest in the refreshment of God. Again, we can go back to Psalm 116 and hear that. Return, O my soul, to your rest. Return to God. You see, there's a thirst that our soul has, and it is for God. He actually made our soul that way, all right? He made our physical bodies to thirst so that we would stay hydrated, but he made our soul, which you cannot see, to thirst for God alone. It's hard for us to see that. Psalmist says, my soul actually thirst for God. I'm understanding this is what I need. I'm so miserable from the pressure I'm facing. I understand that my thirst is for God. So verse 3, when he says, my tears flood my eyes, what he's saying is my soul is thirsting for God. And when this happens for you and I, you and I need nothing more than God at that moment. You and I need nothing more than God when our soul thirsts. But we look for all different types of thirst quenchers, don't we? We look for, if I go on this vacation, all of a sudden my thirst will be quenched. If I just get more possessions, then my soul will be quenched. If I have these experiences, then my soul will be quenched of its thirst. If I just, you know, whatever it is for you, buy a new pair of shoes, you know, go fishing, whatever it is. If I get this, then I'm telling you, we look for thirst quenchers in all the wrong places. Now, those things are good. Go buy a pair of shoes. Go fishing. Go on a vacation. But when your soul is uptight and worn down and needs rest, the answer is God himself. Verse 4, when he was thinking about the good old days and they seem so far away, he's really saying, my soul is thirsting for God. And again, when you and I have this happen to us and we just glory in the good old days, oh, back before my body was falling apart, back before the relationships were falling apart, oh, those good old days, you and I, what we need more than anything else at that point is God. Our soul is thirsting for the creator of our soul. But you and I look for different thirst quenchers, don't we? I'm going to try to reenact that relationship that I had that seemed to make me happy. I'm going to go back to the good old days. When in fact, what our soul needs, what our soul is thirsting for, is the creator who made us. So the psalmist says in verse 5, read this with me. 
Why are you downcast then, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? You see, our soul gets dry from the heat. Our soul gets dry from the turmoil of life. And he simply says, hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation, my God. I know it's tough right now. I will again praise him because I'm going to hope in him. Would you write this down? That my downcast soul, it finds rest in expectant hope of God. My downcast soul, it finds rest in expectant hope of God. It's like right now, it really stinks right now. Right now, it's really miserable. But my soul's going to find rest as I expectantly wait and hope in God. We sang earlier, come Lord Jesus. Woo! <laughs> That's expectant hope. You, you can certainly, God, I, I know that these trials will go away at some point, and these trials are producing something in me, but I'm going to choose to hope in you. Maybe it's tears, hope in God. Maybe it's just remembering the good old days, hope in God. You see, my thirsty soul, it finds rest in the refreshment of God. And my downcast soul, it finds rest in the expectant hope of God. Now I want you to look at one last passage, a little story in Luke chapter 10 in the New Testament. You're going to have to go to the right on this one, page 868, Luke chapter 10. Again, finding rest in pressured times. Luke chapter 10, if you find Matthew and Mark, you're getting close. Luke, if you've gone to John, you're a little too far. These are accounts of Jesus' life, if you want to read about that. Luke chapter 10. Story of a little hosting party uh, that was going on. I don't know what it's like at your house, but if we say uh, someone's coming over to our house, it freaks a certain person out in our household, and it ain't me. All right? <laughs> She's not here. I can say that this service. <laughs> I walked lightly on this first service, but okay. She's not here. She gets a little uptight when we say someone's coming over because, oh, is the house clean enough? Is it tidy enough? What are they going to think? My only question when someone comes over is, are they going to eat all my good food? All right? Especially some of you in the front row. All right? But that can be a stressful time where we get a little uptight. Who's coming over? What are they going to think about us? That may wear you out, all these people coming into your house. We're going to read of an instant where this happened as well. Before we get there, I do want to read this. I saw this sign recently, and I thought maybe I'll get this for our house. It says, please excuse the mess, but we actually live here. All right. I mean, yeah, when you live here, sometimes there's mess, right? That happens. But here we go. Luke chapter 10. Here's the story. Jesus comes over to visit. I don't know how that might freak you out if Jesus was coming over to your house like, uh-oh, hide that, clean up this, uh, you know. Verse 38. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. Maybe some of you need to underline that. Distracted with much serving. And she went up to him, Martha that is, went up to Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. 
bossing Jesus around. What's she doing? Verse 41, but the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen, chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Little story here of Mary and Martha. Martha, she feels overwhelmed. She's a little uptight that Jesus is going to be here. Come on in, Jesus. But man, I need to serve you up some good food and I've got to do all of this. I'm a little frustrated that my sister seems a little lazy. She's just sitting there listening to you. There's a reality that some work needs to get done, right? I mean, we have to go to work today or tomorrow. We have to do that. Mary, I don't think that Mary was lazy in this situation. I don't think it's that she wants to pass the buck. She just happens to know what's most important. What's more important, that my house gets tidy, that Jesus gets served a few more crackers, or that I get my soul fed from him? Now, Jesus isn't against work. I, he, he said this, I did not come to be served. I actually came to serve. Same word here. He said, I came to serve. I came to give my life as a ransom for many. I came to do this. I came to work. There is a time to work. But in this case, he said, Martha, stop working. Stop stressing out. Stop worrying about things in the house and just do what Mary's doing and listen to me for a minute. You and I, I think this is one of our constant battles, isn't it? I mean, we have to go to work. We do. We've got to get certain things done. But we have to spend time with Jesus. If your soul is to find rest, you will have to spend time with Jesus. When you are feeling pressure, the best rest for your soul is to find time with Jesus. Life's going to tell us that, oh man, I got so much to do this next week. I got to do this and this and this and this. But what we learn from Mary's responses is this that my overwhelmed soul finds rest in God's presence. I could try to get everything done, and guess what? Once I get it all done, I'll still have more to do, actually. But my overwhelmed soul finds rest in God's presence. In our culture, it's just like get it done, get it done, get it done, get it done, and then take a physical break, vacation for your body, for your mind, but for our soul, for what really matters, it's finding rest in the presence of God. I think there's a return here. Let's consider that passage again in Psalm 116. Return, O my soul, to your rest. Return, O my soul, to the Lord. He's been good to you. Return to rest by slowing down your pace. I think part of Sundays is this. We slow down our pace. We come here. There, there's a lot of things we could do. A lot of things you could do around your home. You could probably go into work and do things, but we just, wait a second, I need to come here and slow down, reconnect with God and with my family. I think this is why God says, okay, when I make these Ten Commandments here, one of them is there's going to be a day where I want you to rest. Just slow down. Connect with me. But it's got to be more than even 90 minutes on a Sunday morning, doesn't it? Return to your rest by turning down the noise. 
I mean, how many channels are there on TV? Noise. Return to rest by leaving the electronics behind. Wow. <laughs> Sometimes I just turn on my phone just to go, okay, um, what could I do? Facebook. I just want to see what anybody else is doing. It sounds like everybody else is having fun in life, and I'm not, you know. Or, uh, well, can I just turn off the electronics for a minute? That's not giving rest to my soul. That's, if anything, causing me to envy. Return to rest by listening to God in his word and through his small, still voice. There's a reason this morning I said read Psalm 116. Read Psalm 42. Read this chapter in Luke chapter, or this passage in Luke chapter 10. Just reflect on it. Meditate on it. Why? Slow down. Slow down. Because that is good for your soul. It provides rest. Accomplishment certainly has purpose. But it doesn't typically bring rest to your soul. Serving others, that's a good thing. It's good for us, it's good for others. But typically that doesn't give rest to the soul. Martha, what she's doing is in a sense a good thing. She's working. But it's not what her soul needs to bring rest. Sitting at the feet of Jesus. It may not feel like you're accomplishing much, but it's bringing rest to your soul. I wrestled with that again this week. It's like, okay, Lord, I'm just going to sit here for a bit without a book, without an electronic device, and I'm not even going to say anything to you. And it felt awkward. <laughs> I'm like, but I believe that as I consider you, Consider your goodness and ask you to bring rest to my soul all of a sudden. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. <laughs> it's like, that, well, that wasn't very productive. I mean, I could have written letters. I could have uh, read from a book. I could have picked weeds. I could, it didn't feel productive, but it was. Brought rest to my soul. My overwhelmed soul, it finds rest in God's presence. So let me ask you a couple questions. How are you handling pressure? How are you handling the pressure in your life right now? And I'd like you to consider those words in the Psalm 116. Return, O my soul, to your rest. Return. Let God restore you. Don't medicate this. Don't numb it. Don't try to run from it. Don't try to get extra busy so you can say, at least I accomplished this. Handle this pressure by returning once more, O oh my soul, to your rest. And then let me ask this question. You can write this down. What does pursuing rest for my soul look like today? What's that look like? And God's going to speak differently to some of us. Let's say, you, I want it to look this way. You, I want it to look this way. Put this away for a bit. Pursue this for a bit. And he says, I know that you all have great pressures in your life, but I want to give you rest. I want you to be able to go, it is well with my soul. It's well with my soul. Yeah, there's a lot of pressure, but... 
He's given me rest, and it's well with my soul. Return to Jesus, this good shepherd. He says, I want to restore what's broken in you. Believer in Jesus, you have turned to Jesus. Continue to turn to him, and he will restore your soul. Maybe if you're new to Jesus, you're just checking this out. You're saying, ah, what? Uh, try him out because your soul is actually thirsting for something that nothing else but Jesus can satisfy. And that's what we are understanding more and more, that Jesus is the one who satisfies like nothing else can, like no one else can. I'm going to ask that you bow your heads with me for a minute and just reflect. Allow God to speak to your spirit. How are you handling your pressure? In your strength or with his? Trying to accomplish things or resting? Trying to medicate it or ignore it or resting in him? Be at rest once more, O my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. Return, O my soul, to your rest. Heavenly Father, come before you today, and, and uh, I like to physically rest, but I have a hard time letting my soul rest. I worry. I sense that pressure. I want to fix it, solve it, numb it, run away from it, whatever. But more and more, you are teaching me that you are the one to quench my thirsty soul. You're the one that gives rest for my uptight and worn down soul. And it just seems counterproductive to sit and rest, maybe journal, read. But you're doing something phenomenal in me and in us in those times. I would ask that you would help us to be in your word this week, even if it's just these passages. To understand why our soul is thirsty and what, how we're trying to quench that in any way but you. Jesus, I, I thank you that you acknowledged Mary and what she did just by sitting at your feet. Didn't seem to accomplish much, but that was the one thing that needed to be done. So would you help me and my brothers this, and sisters this week that we would rest at your feet. That we would confess that we look for answers in so many other ways than you. Would you, as we talk about this with friends and others, as we ask about our souls, as we ask about rest for our souls that 
you would direct those conversations. That we would be a blessing to each other. And as we go into the workplace and as we go into our neighborhoods and as we go into the mission field, in essence, this week, would you help us to live as ones who can say, it is well with my soul because God has been good to me. So thank you for this time together this morning. Thank you for this family to share and consider your truths with. Grow us, we pray, for your glory and for the sake of others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.